Thank you so much for tuning in to the Phenomena NDE and other experiences. Sitting here with me is Dr. Lawrence Rook, and he's had a near-death experience in 1976. How are you today? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you were in a car accident in 1976. Is that correct? Yes, oh, I was. That's a that's that's the um, um, a very good year for the United States. But the point is, it's sad. Yeah, I like that part too. So. And um, the car accident was it a summertime winter? Uh it was summertime. Well, springtime, I guess. Yes. But it, yeah, it was nice out. It was pretty warm. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna let you take the wheel, and you can tell me okay. the you know how it all started. I mean. Okay. So yeah, I'd been, I grew up, spent my youth in the Northeast of the United States in the suburbs of New York city. Mm -hmm. And I had went to undergraduate school. And then after that, I was living in Colorado and, um, I came that so that's in the West of the United States. So I came back East. Uh, I, my roommate in Colorado was a friend from high school. So his, parents lived near where my parents did so we came back east to visit our parents for a little while mm -hmm. and we drove straight through it's like 2,000 miles uh, when we got back to the area we took his car when we got back to the area we he dropped me off at my house he went to his house and we rested for a while and I don't remember how but we heard about a friend from high school was having a party so we decided to go um, I took my mom's car to the party and met my friend there who drove his own car. Um, and you know, there was drinking and smoking pot and other things like that it, in the 1970s. So it, time was different. You didn't, I didn't think, and most people didn't really weren't so cautious about drinking and driving, uh -huh. but at the party there was a young lady having the party that i thought was cute and wanted to kind of flirt with her so it um the party was very loud music and there it, basically i told her i needed to leave my car there because i was too drunk and i thought i was faking it so i could go back the next day and talk to her uh -huh. um, i had my friend drive me back to my parents house when, I, when we were almost at my parents' house, I realized my sister needed my mom's car for the next day for work. So I had my friend drive me back. And, you know, I went in, I told the young lady that I was going to take my car. I wasn't going to be there. I do remember leaving, about to leave the party. Like I can still see the, you know, the crowds of people there and in my, you know, my imagination when I think about it. Mm -hmm. And you know, looking what I can see in my mind now, I should have known not to drive because, you know, people were a little hazy and a little brighter than they normally would be. You know, when you drink, sometimes that happens. Mm -hmm. um, so I do remember walking towards the door. The next thing I remember is being out of my body, looking down on my physical body, leaning against a tree and a police officer crouching over me and the car was there smashed beyond what you would think someone could survive. And, uh, you know, my head was cracked open and the police officer was kneeling over me. I was in the white light. It was so 
down below it was dark it was nighttime around me it was all white light mm -hmm. behind me there was a big circle of a different shade of white and within that circle was like a silhouette like a full-length silhouette of a human being with an even another shade of white kind of radiating off like beams of light coming off of that um the the thing that it most that i experienced most was more of a feeling level where it just felt and i you know it's beyond what you experience on the physical level but it is like the perfect summer day or you know sometimes for me if i go swimming in a lake or something and it's just the perfect temperature like it just felt so nice and mm -hmm. um, it, it in kind of like just a flash it i seem to understand so much about the human dilemma the human situation my life my parents you know so many different things in just a moment it was like oh everything makes sense everything is perfect yeah. then the being behind me said you have to go back your father wants you to stay and it just seemed well everything's all right this is also perfect so i went back into my body and came to in the hospital three days later mm -hmm. i read a little bit more with depth of your experience that yeah. you um did you have another one i didn't have another near-death experience but i've had many spiritual experiences since then yeah so Okay. Part, part, my understanding about what happened. So this was in 1976. Okay. There was no internet. There was, I didn't know anything about this. There was this phenomenal experience. It was more an inner knowing and a feeling in my body more than anything. And mm -hmm. I did come out with some skills and abilities. Very possibly the biggest thing that happened to me was I've been on the spiritual journey ever since. And the way it kind of started was, so I, after the accident, I went back to Colorado. My mom kind of convinced me and bribed me by buying me a new car to come back East and be in my dad's electrical contracting business. Mm -hmm. One day I was sitting in my apartment and someone knocks on the door and I have to add in, like now if someone knocks on my door, it always seems kind of strange because everyone texts before they come over. Right. back then it was different so i got up i answered the door there was this beautiful woman at the door and she said um the sister of a good friend of yours from colorado and my sister told me some cool things about you and that she happened to be one of the people i told about my near-death experience <clears throat> but even i didn't even know of the word near-death experience then. Mm -hmm. so then this woman introduced me to this a, te a spiritual teacher a mevlevi sheikh mm -hmm. which is a sheikh is an Islamic teacher, but and the Mevlevis are the, the Sufis, the mystical Islamic people that follow the teachings of Jalaluddin Rumi, Rumi, the, the poet that people read poems from all the time. Okay. When he started to talk to me, and there's more details to this, but when I met him, he started to talk to me about Mary. That was the first thing. And as soon as he said her name, it was like, whoa. Like I just refelt that energy that was around me in my near-death experience. And he talked about her love of God and her open to the Christ energy. And it was like, whoa, that Christ energy and that love is what I felt. Mm -hmm. Then he started to talk to me about Jesus. And again, like this powerful energy came in 
And that's when I knew that being behind me was Jesus. Wow. And yeah. did you recognize the voice or anything? Or you know what I mean, uh, behind you? I didn't recognize the voice you're talking about in my near-death experience. Right. No, but yes. yeah. what he said was, you have to go back. Your father wants you to stay. I knew at that moment the father he was talking about was not my physical father, but God. And, you know, it, again, you're, you know, we think about it now. We have references for it. We, I mean, there's sci-fi thing. You know, there's TV shows. There's movies. It's, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, I had that experience and it was like it was really cool, but I did not know what to think of it at all. Mm -hmm. So as I started studying with this man, it unfolded in a way of, you know, and I, it, it's hard to know which came first kind of thing. And, you know, what he was teaching me, what he was transmuting to me as and my understanding of my near death experience. All of this was just growing, you know, phenomenally inside of me and still is to this day. Wow. And you mentioned in your near death experience, you know, message that you sent to me was that you went into heaven and saw jesus christ and he tapped yeah. into an all you know knowing knowledge yeah yes so yeah and i'm always trying to adjust the words to be really true to what's going on inside of me because it would be easy to say heaven and then almost just use that dogmatically mm -hmm. so i do use that word from time to time one of the things the Sufi Sheikh said to me was, he said, the ocean of divine love and benevolence. And that's a word, I, those, that phrase I use sometimes too. So, but it is this all knowing, and even saying that is, is small compared to what it is. It's like you just see, when I say that, part of me connects into that. And I know you can't see me, but my eyes are closing and I just want to go there. It's, it's, it's an all knowing, but it's an all accepting and all loving. Mm -hmm. And then even to say, what do I know? I'm not even sure. When I'm working with people, sometimes I do know very specific things, but it is kind of knowing everyone is good and things are good. And, you know, it, I'm still bumbling. So I, I want to use the words that ring true inside of me each moment when I'm talking about it and not get become dogmatic about using the same words over and over again because and so yes i hope that answers your question it is this phenomenal wonderful thing of heaven could be a good way to describe it or just ultimate love or you know god or any of you know those words that we use to describe this thing that's beyond our physical knowing when you were out of your body did you yeah. look down at your body around you like look at your hands your arms you know your feet when you were out of the body did you notice any I, light around you or um i i did not look down at my body in the spirit but right. when i my the image that i have it was like i you know it's kind of like if you look forward you kind of see part of your body so when i have in my image with that it was just my body was all white light wow okay. i did look down on my physical body against the leaning yeah. against the tree yeah yeah but that's the physical body but yeah this the spiritual body you know wasn't light you said it was all light and everything that's it was all light it felt like i had a body even when i'm talking i'm like you know 
rubbing my fingers together because it almost reminds me of how it fe felt. Wow. So I did feel something. It again, like nowadays, you know, if that happened, I might have the wherewithal to look down and see to answer these questions because mm -hmm. people ask me that all the time. And someone said not that long ago, when oh, so you could see behind you because the circle and Jesus were behind me. And I go, I don't know. It's like I just knew it was there. It wasn't like it wasn't like seeing through your eyes. It's more like being a part of it and being one with it and just knowing. And even when I say that, this energy comes in and kind of pulls me back a little bit. And it just, you know, the sm a smile comes on my face and it's like, ah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Have you had any outer body experience later? You know what I mean? Like you stepped out of your body? Yes. That, so, yes, I meditate. Mm -hmm. uh, most days since that time, uh, once I started studying with the uh, Navalabi Sheikh, there was a, a meditation to do. I do something very similar to that still now that involves being out of your body. You're in other places. When Also, when I work, I work with people via, uh, since the pandemic, it's a lot on video, but even before that, for years, mostly on the phone and, and some on video. Mm -hmm. um, and I work with people all over the world. And it is like when I'm doing that, there's it is like I'm there with them. And sometimes they feel it very specifically in that way. Um, for me, it's like I close my eyes and do that. And then the person's like we're there in the room together. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yes, yeah. that's, that's fascinating. I find that very interesting how people can do all that. That's that's incredible. And do you find within yourself when you do all this, like a peace that comes over you, you know, a sense of calmness? Um, sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's energy. It's more like enthusiasm, to tell you the truth, than peace. Really? But some people might use the word, but it's, there's something just like, oh, yeah, I get to do this. Oh, this is great. And, you know, it's kind of fun and exciting. There's almost a part of laughter in it. like. Uh, and, you know, that I want to just melt into it and enjoy that. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier to me that, you know, it's like you've been given some gifts from the, yeah. you know, the other side. And, uh, you know, you were given some um, gifts, like you said so something about your hands. Yeah, yeah. So, so and I'll say it again. In 1976, I had no idea what to think of this. And the thing, there were certain things that there was, I couldn't not think about it. I didn't have to think about it because they were so present. One is my hands and it still happens. If I would touch someone, even shake their hand or, you know, put your hand on some shoulder to say hi or hug someone or whatever, my hands become warm almost instantly. And um, like I said, probably the biggest thing is my life just changed to where, I mean, this woman just showed up at my door you know, it introduced me to this teacher. It was like, and I didn't even think of that till maybe six months ago. Like, how cool is that? You know, because I didn't have to do anything. It's like this person just showed up and introduced me to this man. And I spent about 10 years studying with him. And it was, you know, just so many of these spiritual coincidences have happened since then, like meeting people and, you know, different types of healing teachers, different, uh, there's, one story i won't go into the whole thing because it's kind of long but something happened where i went up to vermont and met this person there and they 
introduced me to someone who lived in Connecticut. And then that caused me to go into New York City. And I met someone there. And he became one of the teachers that I studied healing with for quite a while after that. Mm-hmm. You know, just these things just happened. Like, okay. It's, it's I want to cool. go back to your hands again. Okay. Now, you say they get warm. Do you, when they get warm and stuff, do you feel anything about that person? Do you know where they're going? Do they, do you know they're sick? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know anything about that person? Um, I do. Yes. So part of it is, uh, it's kind of like I see something really good in them. I do sometimes know specific things out of balance. Um, you know, it, I like to think I get the information that's needed for healing and spiritual unfoldment at the time. So it can really vary from person to person. Right. Sometimes when I first work with people, it's almost like there's so much information. I can't even know what it is because it just like, just imagine, you know, seeing so much information in your mind moving by so quickly that you don't, and I don't want to try to slow it down because I would stop the healing process. But yeah, sometimes I know all sorts of things like, um, usually it's not medical though. It's the, the way I see things is more, let's say psychological. So it's, but I, you know, I, I mean, so when I first started again, I did not know what to make of this. So it took a while of learning and studying. And so now when I start to work with people, I see a lot of things. I almost always seeing past lives, almost always seeing negative energy around people or negative forms in the spirit around people that need to be cleared. I mean, sometimes I'll see things from someone's childhood or, you know, an energy imbalance in the body more so than something uh, physically specific. But once in a while, it's like all of a sudden I know all this medical stuff. And that's kind of cool because that's not stuff I really know. Mm -hmm. Right. And back to the hands again i think it's fascinating um so can you you ever shake hands with somebody and feel like an energy go up your arm or anything when you're shaking that hand to somebody like wow i i know where you are i know you know you're you're an honest person or i know you're you're dishonest (laughs) yeah people don't want to hear that part but yeah that does happen um, not so much. Usually, um, well, you know, part of this has been the learning process. So in the beginning, stuff would happen again. You're, you're from the reference of my mind might understand what it is, but I didn't know in the beginning. So as I learned, I've also learned to not do that mm-hmm. unless I'm choosing to do that. But right. sometimes it does happen beyond my choosing, and I'm thinking of a time that. My daughter used to be into trampolining and near where I live happens to be the Olympic trampoline coach happens to have a gym near where we live. So we were there and one of the, you know, we, the parents would be like in the waiting room, looking through the glass, watching the kids. And there was this woman there and she started to talk to me. And all of a sudden I didn't, it, I didn't even have to shake her hand. I didn't even touch her. Just all of a sudden it happened. My hands became warm and she, she was aware enough and knew about this stuff where that happened. And she goes, wow. You know, so we talked about a little bit. Another thing too, I um, find your, you know, your experience is unique. Um, what about um, seeing light? 
around people. Like I've heard people, there's some people that I've known in the past, you know, my, when I was younger, there's one lady I met, she could see, you know, if somebody's good or happy or, you know, they're angry, a certain light goes around their body. Yeah. I, what I, when I see people mostly, so when I'm working, um, people are usually asking me to see the negative things. When I meet people outside of that, I'm mostly seeing the good things. And, you know, sometimes people meet me socially and they know what I do. They say, oh, tell me this. And I say, you don't want me to look there because I, there's, it's not like I can just see a little bit. It's either. So, but I think part of it is my intention is that I see the good in people and that then in my work, what I'm doing is getting people to unfold into that goodness. And within that goodness is the spiritual light and the healing can take place on the body wow. or in the emotions. Of, yeah. So you're saying that the, the beautiful bright light that's in us can help heal us if we just bring it out more. Uh, yes. And it's, so there's light in us. There's light, the light outside of us. Oh, yeah. I okay. think the way to describe it more would be when we allow these two lights to connect, let's say. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Has the police ever used you to find somebody or no. to tell somebody's lying? Um, no. It, there, there was a time in my life where I was really good at finding things. It really? was so part of what I learned is how to do dowsing in the in the earth, like mm-hmm. you know, to help heal the earth and stuff. And during that time, I could find things. Uh, wow. it, it, I lived with a woman at the time, and it would always frustrate her because sometimes she would try to hide things. I, <laughs> I just knew where they were, and I didn't even realize she was hiding it, so, like a gift or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, so, but no, I haven't done that. No, I no. The police or anything like that have never. Gotten just, curious, just curious. Just curious. Yeah, no, it's a cool thing. Because you know, or you ever see something on TV and and they're trying to look for this little girl, and you know, yeah. I mean, you kind of like I know where she's at. <laughs> yeah. Um. You mean for me? Um. I I don't remember ever having that experience, but I do have. Uh, I mean, a smaller thing, like I have a teenage daughter and sometimes she loses things and I can help her find them by kind of connecting with her and basically saying to her, where do you last remember seeing it? And then, you know, or I'll have a really good idea of where it is. So it's it's a little different, but Uh kind of similar. Cool. And uh, so this is fascinating. What does your parents think of what you do? Uh, well, my mom passed away when I, it was after my near-death experience, but it was before I really developed all my skills. Um, my dad is, he'll be 92 in September. Um, you know, when I first talked to him about it, he, I guess at that point, he was kind of used to my crazy kind of things. Cause, um, but in the beginning, he didn't, I don't know what he really thinks of it. There's been times when I've offered to help him and he always says something like, oh, I need to check with my doctor, which is a little frustrating. But um, so my dad, when I was young, was a very tough guy. And he, like I said, he's going to be 92. But when he was in his early 80s, he met this woman and they fell in love and he's become a different person. 
And part of that is he's just been more loving and more interested in talking about deeper things, not necessarily. And I mean, he's very sharp and very smart. It's not like because he old, he's old, he doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. But he must have somewhere looked at my thing about the near-death experience online because mm -hmm. I never talked to him directly about that. And he said to me that he had a near-death experience, but basically he was driving. So he was in the Marines down in North Carolina, and my mom lived up in Westchester, New York. So he was driving back. So he'd go back and forth. He was driving back to North Carolina and he fell asleep and he almost went off the road, but the gravel on the side of the road woke him up. Mm -hmm. So he didn't really have a near death experience, but his wanting to connect with me and his openness to what happened to me, he started calling that his near death experience, which was to me even better than him having a near death experience because he wanted to connect and love me so much, which really wasn't there when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. That was really nice. That, that's good. That's good to have that good relationship again. Yeah. And another funny thing happened. So I've been a minister. Actually, this in February was the 30th anniversary of my ordination. And somewhere in there, I wanted to tell my dad that I was a minister. And I was all concerned that he would not like it at all because my family was Jewish. And when he was young, he was, you know, kind of seriously Jewish, but not so much when I was born. Mm -hmm. But I told him I was a minister and it was kind of funny because, you know, he's a Jew. He was a Jewish businessman. And right away, his first thought was, well, do you have to pay income tax? And I, that was so, great. <laughs> so the part I was concerned about didn't bother him at all, basically. Oh, good. Good. And um, do you pray? Do you? Yeah. OK. okay. And do you and you meditate? And yes. um Oh, another thing too, you said mentioned something earlier in the show that people always want to bring out the negative in them. I, I don't want the negative. I want to be more of a happy person. <laughs> well, no, when I'm working with people, they're looking for they're, the negative. They're asking me to clear the negative things. Oh, clear so, the negative. Okay. Got yeah, that. When right. I'm looking, I mean, almost in a second, I see the positive thing. I can actually see their path to connect to this very positive light outside of them. But then it's like, well, let me see what's blocking them. And so, you know, when I meet people socially, I don't do that part. I'm just looking for that really good thing that's in their heart and in their spirit. Do you ever do hypnosis on people? Uh, no, I don't. You don't need to do that. Okay. And uh, I, I'm just asking, just asking. Yeah. And so tell me, how did you become a doctor in this field? Um, well, it's part of my journey that I uh, got involved with uh, a an organization that has a school connected to it. And it was just part of, you know, everything is kind of part of my spiritual growth. And uh -huh. so I went to school for there. I did the master's program. That was three years. I actually it, it was two years and then there was a third optional year. So I did that, but then I actually did the two years again. And then I did the doctorate program, which was three years and then two years, like a postgraduate focusing on uh, ministerial counseling. Wow. Then, then I had to write a paper that took a long time after graduating, you know, finishing the yeah. class of work, uh, partially because my daughter, daughter was born around that time and a big part of my life became you know take when her mom went back to work I started working from home and taking care of her a lot and it got to the point where I just realized 
So part of the instructions were to write something that was really working for you and that you were passionate about. So I would choose a subject and, you know, try to work on it. You know, every Tuesday I'd spend some hours writing. And then, you know, after a certain amount of months or whatever, it's, ah, I'm not so enthusiastic about this. So at some point I realized, you know, I'm going to have to work through that blah part and get keep if I ever want to graduate. So I did. And it took about two and a half years of writing pretty much every day to finish my paper. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Do you have, this is a little bit off the subject a little bit, but with the near-death experience, do you have any relationships with animals? Because I know there's a lot of animals lovers out there. And animals. Yeah, I, yes, I, I like animals. I, I wouldn't say I'm an animal lover, but sometimes people ask me to work on their animals. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when I'm working with people in the spirit, they're at, animal will come whether it's a passed away animal or even a current one will come in spirit and help out wow and yeah. uh but what about the living the animals that are alive do you ever help out with them or yes i do yeah hmm. interesting yeah i had this thing a while ago uh, a client was having some problems with their dog and you know at some point i said you could ask me about your dog and i don't know, i just got this thing like I don't remember if that the dog was letting me know or in spirit, but they needed to eat some oranges, like the peel and everything. And you know, he said, "What? Well, my dog would never eat that. I said, give it a try. And the dog loved the oranges and it helped him get better. He was having some problems with his digestion. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. So um, you still have outer body experience. That's wonderful. And yeah. There, there, I've heard people had. Oh, what about dreams? Do you have experiences in dreams too? I do, not always. I have, um, you know, yes, sometimes I do. You know, and they're like warnings for you or to look out um, or something like that, or um, usually not that. So, the Real, the main purpose of what I do is this spiritual unfoldment part. And it's mm -hmm. in what I do, it's like sometimes people will ask me, you know, to tell them what's going to happen in the future. And I generally tell people I'm not going to tell you that, even if I do see it, but it's just not the focus of what I do because someone's spiritual unfoldment might get messed up in doing that. And I, you know, each of the things I've learned about this, I've had experiences where. I get knowing about it. And there was one about that. This, you know, this one I had an office in Manhattan and someone would come see me and it was a woman. And, you know, she was always asking me, when am I going to meet someone? When am I going to meet someone? And I saw that she was going to meet someone. And, but I saw, and I was trying to tell her, stay away from this guy. And so I said to her, you're going to meet this incredibly handsome guy who wears glasses but I want you to know he has problems with drugs and it's best if you stay away from him. And I told her this very clearly. I told her the part about the drugs a number of times because I knew she was not hearing me even because all she could hear is she's going to meet this really handsome guy. And I don't remember how long it was after that she came and said, oh, I met someone who's super handsome. And I said, does he wear glasses? I knew it was him. She said no. And then you know, a while later, she came and said, oh, he does wear glasses. He just didn't want to put them on in front of me in the beginning. And, you know, by the time she heard me about the drug thing, she was aware of it and she was involved with this guy. I don't know, it just was, I, know, I just had a learning about that. And it's not really the folk. People ask me that. And 
it's <clears throat> so that was something I saw and I knew it was a hundred percent going to happen. A lot of times I see things and even if it's ninety nine percent going to happen, that means you're kind of influencing what's going to happen by telling them. So I don't do that. You know, there's. I mean, there's only been maybe one or two other times where I see things and it's like, that is definitely going to happen. Like there was someone looking for a job and I said, you know, I knew exactly. And, it, you know, it's kind of like I see the scale of where it's at. And this was 100 percent. So I told them. Wow. That's cool. cool. That's very rare that you tell yeah. them. So how long is your sessions? If I sent you somebody, you know, how long is your sessions and stuff? Um, usually I work a, around a 50 minute schedule, so, uh -huh. but people can work longer or shorter if they want. I, the first time I don't really like to make it shorter than that. Have you ever, um, met people that have, are narcissists? Like, uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I recently read this thing, how empaths attract narcissists. <laughs> I can understand that, you know, it's. Um, you know, I, I mean, narcissism is not a psychological diagnosis. So what it actually means is not, you know, totally formed at this point. Okay. Um, but you know, there's a certain amount of being self-centered and everyone is to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. I do find a lot of times when people are telling me how, when their partner's a narcissist, that they're basically saying, I want it to be all about me <laughs> instead of them. So I don't know. I'm, you know, right. yes, I meet people that are very selfish and self-centered and think their point of view on everything is the way it is according to God or whatever. Yeah. The, the way, yeah. 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 They don't want to listen. And then the older they get, it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they'll come see me and it'll get better. Yeah. I'll send you some people. <laughs> but, um, I really, yeah, I read up about you and I felt bad about your car accident. That's, you know, of course, any accident is, is devastating yeah. and, and stuff. And, and you survived through that. And that's wonderful. And I'm glad you're still here. And I'm glad the higher power sent you back. And uh, this is, you know, quite fascinating. So t let's go a little bit more into your, um, um, do you have any stories to tell more into your practice? you know, how people can overcome and what you can yeah. do to help them? Um, yeah, so I can help with most things. Um, and it's kind of aligning the people up with healing. And okay. there are times when healing takes place like in one second. Okay. There are times it takes longer than that. Um, yeah, because one of the stories or experiences, it's not a story, but that I was thinking of recently, and this was a really had a, a big part of me really accepting what I do, which was nice because I mean, I've been able to help people for a long time, but there was something almost like I was embarrassed about it or because first of all, you know, it wasn't normal and even telling people, it, you know, sometimes people would look at me like I'm crazy and stuff, but so this woman, and this woman came to me because her friend kind of forced her to, she had had a miscarriage. <clears throat> and um, so at this point, she was, the doctors were telling her, forget about ever having a kid and her health was really failing from the miscarriage. And they were saying, we're even concerned about your, if you're going to survive. Mm -hmm. So she came to me 
um, after two sessions, this when I was seeing people in person, which I don't do very much anymore, uh, she wrote me this email saying, I don't know what you do, but the doctors say I'm getting better. And then I, you know, I said, it'd probably be good if you had another session, and she did. Um, and then maybe a year after that, I heard from her friend that pushed her to come see me that she was pregnant, and then she ended up having a son. And the, which was the cool part for me was, you know, at some point I started posting things online and I was always looking for things to post. And mm-hmm. it was around Thanksgiving time. And I was looking, you know, I try to look for things to remember to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And I read this email from this woman and I was like, wow, that is really cool. And, you know, I never really let it in how amazing that is that I helped this person go from being, you know, very sick to, and our health was failing to being healthy and having a child. And I I was just able to look at it in a way, like almost looking at someone else doing it and seeing how cool it is what I do, where I can appreciate that and love it and really, you know, look at the gift I'm given and just really love it, you know? And so Mm -hmm. that, that was a great story. Wonderful. And you never know, it might've been her, (laughs) but, uh, but that, that's really, that's, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that to all of us. And, uh, you know, and so you've been doing this for, was it 30 years now? 30 or 40 years? Yeah, even more. I know when I wrote that, (laughs) time goes on. Um, so yeah, I started, let's see. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's probably, that's, probably a little closer to 40 years at this point like 37 years you're all over google so if anybody wants to find you they can find okay. you and get to your website i noticed that i go oh, he's he's everywhere yeah so. i try to do that it seems <laughs> part of living today yeah another thing's coming to mind is there's someone who is uh has had prostate cancer mm-hmm. and just the last time this someone who's current, they went to the doctor and their, you know, their readings just are better. And the doctor said, I don't know what you're doing, but just keep doing it, you know? So, but that's someone who's worked with me over a period of time. It wasn't a thing that happened. You know, that woman happened in like, you know, just two sessions. This guy's had a number of sessions, but in the process I, you know, found out and I could, and I, not that long ago, he told me about all these other health problems he had. So this kind of answers another question here. So when I would look at him, I could just see the energy wasn't right. And I didn't really know exactly what it was. And but he's a very expressive guy. He's actually a, a doctor. So and um, but he wasn't telling me all these other things. And, I, you know, so I, Sometimes I don't, I see things and I don't ask people about it. I just get a feeling to allow their process. And then uh, a few weeks ago, he started to tell me about all these other health problems that he had for a long time. And in one way, I was kind of glad he told me that because it's like, why is his energy so off in his body? But it's really gotten way, way better. It was kind of cool because it was kind of like when I was trying to help him, like his chakras would go way out of line it almost in a way of trying to avoid how i was trying to help him uh-huh. and so i started working on balancing his chakras and then all of a sudden they lined up and he started you know he had like some other health issues that started to get cleared up it was really cool um this is that's fascinating and he's doing okay he's doing much much better he still has a ways to go definitely 
Okay, but much better. Do you still have mesothelioma? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the prostate cancer, it's like the difference between night and day because he was, you know, it was just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then all of a sudden it got a bit better. And so that's like believe, a whole new leaf on life for him. Do you believe that the spirit, your spirit, your soul can heal yourself if it knows how? Is it, uh, I think maybe you're helping that direction. Yes. It's it, so in something that's important in doing this is even the way we understand it to understand we don't understand it. So it could be our soul, but it could be Jesus. It could be Buddha. It could be these things from the outside. And we want to just be open to all of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we have our soul. That's our spiritual part, but we also have what I call the basic self. That's more a physical part that can heal us also. Mm -hmm. So there are all these different parts to us. And depending on the person's situation, where the imbalance is, what their karma is, you want to be open to whatever can help, basically. So there's, I mean, there's energy from the earth that can help. There's energy from God. There's energy from the archangels, the Jesus, you know, all the different spiritual masters and things like that, too. Mm -hmm. And what about, um, okay, I guess there's one other one. What about okay. meeting somebody who's very evil? <laughs> you know, well, they're yeah. on drugs or anything, but some family member send them to you and see if you can help him. And be, yeah. he's just so full of anger and you can see his yeah, yeah. demeanor. Well, there, there's very few people that have been really evil. And, you know, the, these are the people that are you know of because they're famous. And so I, people in general are good. And, you know, then there's something that's off in them. But yes, all of those things. And sometimes the people, uh, you know, those people are easiest to help in a certain way because really? it's very obvious what to fix. But yeah, they, I mean, hmm. I'll say almost always, but always something shifts in the person towards this healing process. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people are not aware of it, and I am. Almost always they are aware of it. Once in a while I get someone, it can be so frustrating. I, someone comes to mind who had this session with me, and it was in person. <laughs> years ago during the session of saying oh i'm feeling all this energy sorry and um you know they got off the table that you could see they were beaming they were smiling and it and then it happened to be the celebrity so you know working with celebrities is a little different so it kind of like you got to contact them you know because they're a full lit basically mm. but when i got in touch with them after they go oh nothing happened it's like are you kidding me Okay. What about, um, I got another yeah. question. What about yes. how do you do it when it's through zoom Yeah. or the phone? I mean, how do you feel? Cause I, cause sometimes isn't it better in person than it is zoom and the phone? Um, not necessarily there oh, in, in mm -hmm. a lot of ways, it's not being in person is better. Um, but it's not like through the zoom. It's just, that's part of it. And you're really in the spirit. You connect with the person or I connect with the person. It is like you're right there with them. It, there's no in spirit. There's no time and space. And so then you just connect and it does some like, like right now, I, I don't know who it is. <laughs> I just started to connect. So I'm gonna, it's almost like I feel their body right there. Really? So it, it is because I have some clients in places where because of the time difference, it's a different day there. So besides the diff distance in my sci-fi loving mind, it's like time travel too. Wow. Well, yeah. interesting. This has been such a good interview. I oh, 
I think you're fantastic. And I know that you're all over the internet, but if you want to give out anything, um, are you doing any public speaking anywhere or anything like uh, that? Yeah. I, um, yeah. So my social media is my website is lawrencebrock.com. Mm -hmm. My YouTube is Dr. Lawrence Brock. My TikTok is Doc Brock at TikTok. Mm -hmm. D-O-C-B-R-O-C-K at TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, the next thing I have scheduled is actually on June 26th, which is the day before my birthday at uh, a Unity Church in Montclair, New Jersey. And I'm going to be giving a talk about, um, it's called The Greatest Science of God, The Teachings of Jalaluddin Rumi, mm -hmm. where I'm going to be sharing about a lot of the mystical experiences I had with the, the Sufi sheikhs and, you know, part of my learning and my own mystical and spiritual experiences and the teachings of Rumi also. Mm, okay. That sounds interesting. And, and is there tickets? Is there a place to find to go to that event? Where were they? Um, where there's the website. Yeah. Unity of Montclair is online. I, I don't know if it's .org or .com, but you could look up Unity of Montclair and uh, they do have, it is on, Facebook and Zoom. I'm, I'm going to be in person. Anyone who's in New Jersey or anyone anywhere who wants to come, I'm sure they're welcome. Mm -hmm. I don't think you need tickets or anything. Oh, okay. Sounds interesting. And to get a hold of you, to get a session, a private session with you would be... You yeah, know, on my contact. website, there's okay. a way to do that. Or you could text me or WhatsApp me at 732-567-6388. Okay, repeat that one more time. 732 five six seven six three eight eight okay well thank you so much for coming on the you're welcome show. thank you so nice talking to you thank you and i i probably be calling in a couple months and bring you back because there's still so much more to talk about that would be great especially with a near-death experience and some spiritual comfort and hope and all that fun stuff okay Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for everyone, for everybody, for listening into the phenomena and DE and other unique experiences. Thank you again, and have a great evening.